being an insider helping uh, the criminals either consciously or by being scared to do it or because you earn a lot of money. I see that as a huge problem. Sweden is becoming corrupt in that way, which is terrible. Welcome to The Laundry, the podcast connecting AML, compliance and financial crime to the real world. Break out the money. I'm your host, Fredrik, and in this episode, we're looking at how money laundering is fueling Sweden's gang crime epidemic. With over 130 attacks, a record number of shootings, and a criminal network estimated to include 30,000 individuals, Sweden is in the grip of a gang crime problem like it's never seen before. The magnitude of this issue became global news last month, when Sweden's Prime Minister called on the need of the military to help take to the streets and help combat this violence. However, in this podcast, we're moving the lens away from the awful violence off the streets, and we're looking behind the scenes to the flow of money which fuels it. In today's episode, we're asking, how does money laundering fit into the picture of gang crime? What are the red flags AML and compliance professionals should be looking for? And can AML help break the cycle of violence? We took flight to Stockholm and met our guests at the Swedish Defense University in Östermalm. Let's take you there now to meet our expert panel. I'm here with Jürgen Holmlund, Swedish Defense University and one of the foremost voices in Europe on intelligence analysis and national security. Welcome back to the Laundry Jürgen. Could you briefly remind our listeners to your area of expertise? Uh, I have a background within the police for close to 30 years. I worked at the National Criminal uh, Investigation Service uh, for a couple of years. We looked into organized crime from a European perspective, mostly Russian-based organized crime and how they fit into the Russian narrative of uh, war by other means. Uh, so. The, the topic would be how the criminals do their way into to companies in order to surf below the radar from, from uh, banks and other compliance organizations just to fit into the system of, of how they whitewash money. And I'm also joined by Vivica Strangert. Uh, you're an expert in governance, AML and compliance. And welcome back to The Laundry to you as well. Really nice to have you back on the show. Um, could you also do a brief summary of sort of your expertise and, and your focus these days? Well, I started out as looking a lot into the legal requirements for like banks and other financial institutions. But now it's been very uh, obvious that it's so closely connected to the intelligence. So I think the whole sector, the financial sector has been moving towards um, looking into what are we actually looking for uh, and not only fulfilling the legal requirements. Uh, but I'm, I've been working with banks, but I also work some with auditors and accountant firms, uh, helping them to uh, fulfill the, the compliance requirements in the area of anti-money laundering. Thank you. Uh, let's kick off with, uh, with Jürgen. For anybody outside of Sweden, could you paint a picture as to how serious the situation that we're now seeing in, in Stockholm and, and the greater Sweden is? It, it's been quite serious for a couple of years when it comes to uh, the level of organization with, with the criminal gangs uh, and their use of, of threat and, and violence. Uh, so the shootings in Sweden since pretty much 2015 has increased every year for somewhere around 
20 up to 62 and the, and the level of bombings as well. So that's just a level of, of threat and violence. But compared to all the other Nordic countries, if we have something like 60 deadly shootings in, in Sweden, the, old, the other Nordic countries had, had 10 last year's. So it's the comparison by, by, by six compared to all the other Nordic countries. Uh, the problem is that if you start to use violence in that setting, you, you will never back down from that kind of, of behavior. Uh, they're gaining a lot of money into their respective business from uh, narcotics, from fraud, and from fraud from the national si welfare system. Uh, and when you handle a lot of money, you need to take it to the next step. You need to get it into companies in order to whitewash your money, which I think is a problem. So we've seen a, a reorganization on a more clever way, both from being more violent, but also uh, getting the knowledge of how to start companies and keep below the, the level of, of beyond the threshold of, of disclosing what you're actually doing, because it's hard to find the real persons behind these companies. So. I would say that it's a uh, fraud and organized crime is a threat to national security. That's, that's a great segue into, into your area of expertise as well, Vivica, because uh, how does money laundering fit into this? Well, as Jürgen said, uh, you, you want to have the money and you want to be able to use it as anybody and buy things, buy especially luxurious uh, objects. And you, but you also want to buy a fancy apartment and refurnish that and by having the money looking as white as possible. And I think uh, many of the financial institutions and well, most of the Swedes are, are quite surprised or we have been so naive in how easily that is done through companies especially. Uh, we, we see that the banks, what they report uh, and what they file as SARS to the FIU is mainly private persons and it's it's a lot of swish and cash transactions if you look into what is reported they they very seldomly report these really big hard <laughs> things to crack uh, that that you have through the companies uh, so i think uh, an enhanced knowledge in intelligence and how things are done is absolutely necessary for for the 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 uh, companies out there uh, that are supposed to protect this sector. Have you seen any sort of trends in the way that these gangs have operated and started to diversify and innovate uh, their techniques uh, as of late? Maybe start with you, Jürgen. The ones who handle a lot of cash, they, they have a problem. How do you get the cash into the system since Sweden is moving away from, from, from money handling in that way? So you need to be more clever, clever of the way of whitewashing money and putting it through exchange offices into other currencies but also into the system of how, how do we get in, into respective companies. What we see from, from organized crime, we did a survey in 2017, but also another unit made a, a survey only regarding health angels, which came in April this year, showing that the level of understanding of how to build a company and the level of money they are handling with employees, only within, in this case, health angels is totally magnificent in how many they are, which in my, my world shows that they, they are making money from a lot of different topics, but it also opened up the possibility of handling um, uh, ordinary money to put it into their respective com companies. So 
Uh, I think they're learning from other gangs in Europe and how to do fraud, but also how to organize up to, to whitewash your money into companies and to make a company structure in a, in a very clever way. Uh, the assessment from, from the ones looking into Health Angels said that what we see when they have motorcycles and their vests on is pretty much only 2% of the total uh, money. Uh, it's only to keep a trademark regarding being uh, dangerous. Uh, the real money is made in, in a company structure instead of, of what we see from selling drugs or, or dealing with prostitutes. That's just, that's just to keep a trademark going. Mm. And Viveka, in your experience working with financial institutions and, and regulators, uh, having a certain responsibility or being sort of the first line of defense in terms of a societal uh, shield, uh, where companies need a bank account to operate. What type of techniques have you seen used and how efficient have they been in terms of mitigating these risks with uh, organized criminal gangs? I haven't seen that much of uh, new techniques. Uh, I seen, still see the same traditional, maybe a bit more sophisticated tools to uh, gather uh, KYC and uh, transaction monitoring, so you have a bit more sophisticated areas there. Uh, but I would say, I don't know if it's a trend or if it's just that it's been observed, but the insiders within the banks and within the police and within, well, everywhere in the society uh, has been uh, very obvious and we've seen quite a few cases on that and also um, real estate uh, agencies and uh, there has been a lot of focus on that uh, which I, I think is, is quite good. Uh, it's been media attention on that. It's not only that you don't do your job uh, regarding the AML regulation but you also actually as uh, being an insider or helping uh, the criminals either consciously or by being scared to do it or because you earn a lot of money. Uh, that, so that I see that as a huge problem uh, that we haven't really observed previously, but I'm sure it has existed. Uh, and uh, it, Sweden is becoming corrupt in, in that way, which is uh, terrible. And it's going to take a long time to, to, to fix that again. Where, where should the focus lie next then? Because now we've had AML regulations, it, uh, it seems like most financial institutions are fairly familiarized with sort of the guidelines and how to utilize information. Uh, obviously, there's, there's tons to be done still to get the most out of the information. We've talked previously on the podcast about the data utility to help sort of private-public cooperation and having access to data to do better KYC, KYB and, and so forth. But now that you talk about sort of corruption being one of the key drivers or key problems, uh, should we start changing the focus and having more focus on the internal compliance piece rather than just the AML piece? I, I think uh, maybe not compliance as such, but awareness uh, and having good structures of uh, the background check on, on who do you employ and who do you have among your employers. And there's a lot of discussions about the personal integrity and you're not allowed to check people. And of course, 
personal integrity is super important and, and it's not fun to be background checked uh, too often, of course. But we have the other side of the coin regarding integrity, and that is when your next door neighbor has its house put on fire or something. That's, that's really hurting my integrity. So uh, I think weighing these two things toward, against each other is, you, you need to see that out of another perspective. Uh, uh, that's my 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 uh, my concern i would say and and i think awareness training education discussions uh, and cooperations of course so we haven't been into that but cooperating and sharing information between different financial institutions and also the government is, is of course key what was your take on this Jürgen? I, I concur with vivica but um, let me stress it in two two different ways i think the, a lot of information we have in Sweden is quite open when it comes to who's living where, what kind of car do you have, what's your latest tax issue, which I think should be issues that, that wouldn't be open in the society. So we need to close down our, our national information scheme that, that everyone could be checked up in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, we're quite naive when it comes to that session compared to other European countries in that way. I think the uh, when it comes to the economic sector, which, uh, which is vital for our civilian defense, but also for the functioning uh, of, of a total society, should be checked uh, when it comes to backgrounds from, from, from national level. It, it's a national interest to do that, to check people, because I don't think every bank or, or insurance company could have that kind of clever uh, knowledge by themselves. And we also need to enhance that kind of system to do the background checks, because if you're checking people only from, from criminal records, there could be so many more levels of li living next to criminals or having a criminal background uh, around you, which we don't see because we tend to see from a Swedish eye perspective. So you need to check people in a more clever way in order to, to be better on what you do. The other part is um, banks, insurance companies, uh, authorities, municipalities are being both stolen when it comes to information but also being infiltrated by organized crime so decision makers uh, the ones who actually gain with low uh, imp they start on a lower level just to get themselves positioned within inside an authority which could be um, the police it could be the prosecutors judges and others because uh, and the board of migration, because information is vital and decisions are, are worth money. Uh, and the infiltrators comes from organized crime in order to, to disrupt the functionality, but also to steal information from our system. And we're not uh, aware enough when it comes to that. Uh, I think sharing information is good, but I know some, some banks and, and large organizations in Sweden, they have problem only to sh uh, already today sharing uh, AML issues, know your customer, fraud, financial crime prevention, sanctions, to share information only within their same bank because they are so big, so they are compartmentalized in a way that they don't talk about the same clients or they are maybe not even allowed, according to Swedish rules, to share information in that way. And that has to stop. You need to get better at looking at, at organized crime when it comes to persons, individuals, but also their respective companies to do it in a better way because we are infiltrated by organized crime and we don't see it in that way. So we need to raise up the level of, of awareness, but also our knowledge to, to fight them and let the systems come later on. But, but if you target issue criminals, you will eventually 
start to learn so much more instead of, of compartmentalizing different topics in the session. So I think we are good, but we could be so much better. I know this uh, utility issue has been raised quite a lot of times. It's been stressed by quite a lot of banks as well. And like you mentioned, uh, Jürgen, even within the same banks, at times it's so siloed that you don't have access to the same information. Um, it all seems to trickle down into data privacy, sensitive information regarding individuals, and that sort of um, trumping uh, and hindering uh, com uh, the knowledge becoming common. Um, have we gotten to that point where we want to protect the individual and it's gone so far now that it's working against its intention? And what I mean by that is we're trying to hinder people of obtaining knowledge about private individuals, uh, but that limits the decision-making power that they have, or at least their insights to make those decisions regarding how risky uh, and customer onboarding, for example, could be in a bank. Um, would you say that's a fair statement and that it's gone too far and we need to look at new leg legislations to open up access to that data to more employees of financial institutions, for example? It, it's really a dilemma because, uh, as Jürgen was on to, it's, it's a lot of information that is open in Sweden, uh, which is bad <laughs> in some ways because you, as a criminal, you can actually map up um, individuals on a quite detailed level. But at the same time, <laughs> You want to have that sharing of information, so uh, I, I, it, I don't think I can answer that question. Actually, <laughs> it's um, you need to really think through where you are. It's but a di dilemma for sure. But how, how important is proper intelligence, like the information regarding these individuals, and and having access to that when trying to to lay the groundwork for stopping this? Uh, then it's it's one hundred percent important, of course. Uh, but then you have the other side. What type of society do we want to live in? So it's uh, a lot of considerations you have to do. Can't get enough of the laundry? Not only are we giving you a weekly podcast dishing out insights and learnings on the biggest topics in AML and compliance, but now we have our very own newsletter. Fresh Laundry with me, Marit, is a place for hot takes, looks behind the scenes on the latest episodes and the best recommendations in news, articles, podcasts and more. Find the link in the episode description. Let's clean up your inbox with some fresh laundry. There's a growing view that if you're able to stop the money flow, you're able to stop the, crimin the criminals operating as well. Is that a point of view that both of you share as well? Jürgen, maybe start with you. There's been discussions regarding stopping the narcotics sales in Sweden would stop the criminals. And I, I say that, well, that's pr pretty much close to 2 billion Swedish crowns. And the level of fraud is 5.7, and the level of fraud towards the government system, the welfare system, is 20 billion Swedish crowns. I think the awareness and the skill of, of criminals in order to, to build up companies and to find new ways of operating uh, are quite impressive. Uh, I wouldn't like the word impressive, but, but still, they are fast moving and they're learning from others. Uh, so when UK wrote an article regarding fraud is a threat to national security. It goes to Europol and it comes to Sweden later on. So they are learning from an international scale of how to behave and to operate. Uh, stopping the money uh, w would be an issue, but I think 
uh, a target issue towards individuals and, and, and companies in order to uh, get get them into jail and to stop their future actions would be interesting. But you need to, to uh, have a target-centric approach towards w- what you're looking at. So money or individual would be the topic for me to stop because I think the money flow, when, it, when I see how good they are in handling companies and hiding them between walls of, of official government um, personnel, but you have the real owner somewhere in the background, it's hard to, to, to use the, the government tools in order to stop these kind of companies unless you, you go for the persons as well. As the money. Do you agree to that statement? Yeah, I do. I, and, and another aspect that we see in Sweden also is the recruitment of very, very young uh, criminal actors. They're 13 right now. Maybe if, if the rule is stricter on who you can punish, they will become 10 and then 8. And I mean, it's I don't think it's going to help. But to, to have the attraction of a 13-year-old looking up to someone who's 25, driving a really cool car and have a fancy watch uh, on their arms. If you take those attributes from the criminals that are a little bit older, maybe it becomes a little bit less attractive to become a criminal. So that's actually just what I hope, at least. Uh, And I think that could have an effect, that it's not so fun to be criminal on a high level. Uh, so maybe that could have some sort of effect uh, on the recruitment part. Uh, of course, you need to do a lot of other things also on these 13-year-olds, or when they're five, you need to start. Um, but that's uh, that, that's one positive effect, I would say. So this is a situation which is unprecedented in, in Sweden, uh, but other countries have gone through similar types of situations prior to this. Are there any playbooks that, uh, to follow to how, uh, to try to shut down these financial uh, financial operations of these criminal gangs? Maybe you're better to answer that question. For, for one instance, I think sanctions is very good because it's an international tool uh, for a long period to stop com- countries. Except, uh, uh, for example, with war, when it comes to sanctions towards Russia, for the moment, there are multiple ways of of interacting with the sanctions, but also finding ways around these ones in order to handle it. I think the same would apply to, to if we impose rules towards criminal companies in Sweden, they would, would find new ways around them. But we need to do it and, and to do it in a proper way. And as I used to, to, to say when, when we give lectures, um, the tools and the methods that brought us to the situation where we are today is not going to be the tools and the methods to take us away from that. So I think we need to think in a, in a totally different way, both when it comes to proactive ways of not recruiting very young people into criminality, and we need to have some more repressive tools uh, as well in order to give the police and others possibility to arrest people and, and to break into houses to stop criminality like drugs and fraud and fraud from the national system. So it, it needs to be a totally different scale from both preventive meth- methods and repressive meth- methods, uh, which would be so much sharper than the ones we have today, because obviously it's not working the way we're working. we are working today. Mm. Do you have any specific tools in mind that you think should be implemented? I, I think for one, in, in, uh, for one reason, I, I think the, the less affluent com- communities which we have in Sweden, for the, for today, uh, 62 areas, uh, they sort of foster a way of feeling that uh, I'm not part of the Swedish system, 
we're living somewhere else and if you want to do interaction and integration you need to be so much better compared to where we are for the moment so in, in some way giving the possibility to own your own apartment or house or um, well where you're staying uh, would in my fancy world mean that you take a little bit more responsi responsibility for where you are and where you live. Uh, I think we need to break down part of these areas and, and to move people into to better ways of integration in the society. And also I concur with, with this one. Uh, you should have role models that also the national uh, media system lifts, uh, which is not gang criminals or, or rap artists. Because the, the ones who are around 8 up to, till 13, they, they, they constantly have, handle it on TikTok 8 hours a day. So when they're 13, they're looking up to having their own Rolex watch and a big Audi to drive around. Because it's only a ladder, ladder of climbing on your criminal career. Uh, and you should do something else regarding reminding them. It, it's actually a, a land and a possibility of you. Can, you can, if you study well, you can become pretty much anything in Sweden because we're a fairly open society and we don't want criminals you need to address that in so many ways so um, addressing houses shift them around and sanctions meaning that once you do something wrong in your area uh, we might even uh, what do you call it a victim from their apartment saying that your lease on these apartments have have ended because your you and or your kids are involved in in organized crime, so your neighbors don't want you here, and we as a as a house owner don't want you here. And when we talk about um, repression regarding when you do something wrong, it's all of a sudden it's so it's so sad about everyone. Well, it's sad to have kids in the age thirteen doing crimes, but also for their neighbors in in that session. So. You can't be kind all the time to, to everyone, which might sound hard to, to put it. But I think we should be a little bit more strict when it comes to these issues. And we're looking into Denmark and everything, every time they do something, uh, we talk about uh, this is both good and some people say it's bad. Then four years later, we bring it on as Swedish legislation. So let's listen to our neighbors, how they're doing things and, and to find ways of doing it. Because I, I don't think the police or... Uh, the ones who are studying criminology actually have the correct tools of how to address this, and me neither. I'm just saying that the methods that we're using today is not the one that's going to take us from this area, so we need to think in a different way. You mentioned role models and, and rap artists there as well. I, I read this report where uh, they used Spotify uh, to launder money these days. Uh, is there any truth to this? Yeah, I think it is. But it's a very sophisticated way of doing it. And I mean, it must be easier ways of <laughs> launching money than buying bitcoins. And one, one, of the, one of the gangs, there have been some criminal gangs, one called Shotas and the other one is called the Death Patrol, uh, going around killing people. One of them belonging to, to one of these companies ha have been accused of, of killing people and preparing to kidnap and kill others. Uh, they won the... the uh, the Swedish radio uh, channel three prize for best rap, rap artist. Uh, and in my world, why do we, with, with public media, celebrate people who are actually alleged connected to, to killing people? So by that, we're imposing a, a culture of wrongdoing, which uh, people my age and, and some others find it hard to say, well, why, why are we supporting that in that session? Instead of saying, 
we, it's not about the music, it's about the ones who are performing that we're celebrating as, as close to, to, to organized crime and, and gangsters. Uh, and I, I frankly don't see why we're supporting that. That was maybe one or two years, two yeah. years I don't know, a couple of years ago. I, I, I think it has changed. I think that, I hope so. yeah, that the Swedish radio wouldn't have given that price uh, today. Because I, I, we were talking about trends in the criminal area, but in the other area, in the society, I see a trend in media, I see a trend in, in the politicians and also the banks that I meet, that there is an understanding that is, uh, uh, the awareness is rising. Uh, I, or maybe it's just in my world, but that's how I see it. Uh, and, and that person, he couldn't, he couldn't um, join the award and the ceremony because he was in jail. Uh, and, and that was um, actually spoken out about in the radio. So it was just so weird. Back to the, back to the topic of utilizing new technology and, and Spotify, as we talked about now, I, um, how, how, should, how should banks and financial institutions set up or at least alter their strategies to deal with these new innovati innovative techniques that, uh, the, that is used now for money laundering? How do we keep up? Uh, maybe it's not an answer to your question directly, but uh, what I see is a, a lot of banks having very sophisticated methods, but they don't see the red thread between their analyzed risks and then all the controls they do. So it's like very scattered. So if you could keep that red thread uh, on the intelligence that we get from external and how what we've seen internally in the banks and how you keep that um, connected to each other, I think that's something that uh, too often is missing. Uh, so that's uh, one way. And, and then if you see a trend out on the market uh, through Jürgen and your team, uh, then you need to think, okay, how could they use that within our organization um, and then put some controls in place? It's not quite an answer, but uh, that's I, I, what I see lacking. I, I think that's really good. But, but let's, uh, let's close up the, the, the podcast by, by an open-ended one. Why is it so important for financial institutions to get this right? Uh, that's one for you, Viveka, and then for you, Jürgen, to, to wrap up the episode what do you fear will happen if we don't get this right? Uh, why it's so important? I mean, we have all that type of obligation as citizens. Uh, I don't think anyone uh, really want to have this development that we've seen in Sweden, not even the criminals. I mean, maybe the ones on the top, but not the ones on the bottom. Uh, so uh, we need to do this as uh, good citizens. Uh, that's... Um, just the way it is. I see it since we're at a defense university, but we see it from, from an angle of, of how to disrupt or attack a country and how to defend ourselves. I see the economic sector as totally vital in order to have a functioning society. And the economic sector is so vital in my way because uh, when we do lectures, I ask people quite a lot, do you have any cash on you? Uh, and it's sort of 10% out of uh, 50 people that actually have cash on them. So we're totally important of, of having a functioning IT system for the economic sector, otherwise it would disrupt. Um, what could happen? Well, I see that if we don't do that well, uh, I think organized crime and others will find uh, brilliant ways of whitewashing or shifting money just below the threshold of being um, 
viewed upon as, as criminals and they are very good at moving there. So informants in, in the system or infiltrators in the system will help them and assist them of doing that. And we're partly stuck in our old uh, computer systems within banks and, and, and government systems. So you, I think you need n new uh, tools where, where artificial intelligence and others because there's a lot of man money transactions and there's a lot of individuals that should be taken care of in a more proper way and, and no person could actually view through that and find a, a bad company or a bad person. So you need to assume a function for five years in the future to say that we should be more IA driven, we should be better at, at sharing information towards individuals that misbehaving and to link out uh, improper transactions because people can't see all the transactions that is. So you, so you need to take a future step into that for so many reasons. But legality and functionality is two issues which make the, the banking sector or the financial sector so totally vital for, for the Swedish system. That brings this episode to an end. Viveka, Jürgen, thank you both for joining me. Where can people find out more about you and connect? Uh, well, you can find me at, at uh, National Defense University. So it's jürgen.holmlund at fhs.se. Uh, so mail me or anytime at LinkedIn. So I'd be more than happy to interact or, or answer any questions. And I think LinkedIn is the easiest way of finding me. So please connect. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to go check out the back catalog and follow The Laundry on your podcast platform of choice or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please also leave a review. To get in touch with the Laundry team, you can comment on the Strice LinkedIn page or email laundry at strice.ai. Your host for this episode was me, Fredrik Riesir. Our producer was Matthew Dunn-Miles. Our engineers were Niklas Thun and Dominic Delergi. The Laundry is proudly produced by Strice, an AML intelligence system. Find out more at strice.ai. See you next time. <laughs>